Once again, welcome. It's really such a delight to see all of you this evening and this morning. And as most of you probably know, at least here in the United States, today is Labor Day. I'm sure many of you know this. This day set aside to recognize laborers for their work. And tonight, I, I want to play with this a little bit, to perceive each other, to view oneself as one who offers labor. So to honor and recognize laborers for their work, the, the offerings each of us make in this world. And also, it's intertwined with honoring the efforts made for workers' rights, something that's still in progress, especially here in this country especially given, for example, the, the, the wealth gap, the inequality, uh, the, the gap in terms of, of income and wealth. And tonight, as I was just sharing, uh, I wanna share with you reflections on viewing oneself, maybe even viewing each other as laborers who offer and how it's intertwined with the spiritual path. And for me, it's intertwined with with a sense of freedom of awakening. And, and I think for me, it, I, I think the reason I wanted to share this is that I, I started to, as I was reflecting on this, for me, this vision has such depth and dimensionality to it. Hopefully you're gonna hear it, it intertwines with a depth of wisdom and I think it, it, it also intertwines with some of the most moving expressions of these tender hearts of ours. And I want to begin with a, a few images I want to offer to you. And the first image uh, that I, I, I feel gives a feeling sense of the kind of labor that I want to explore together with you this evening is uh, is this custom that's uh, followed in many Buddhist countries. Many of you, uh, maybe you've seen this. And it's the importance placed on offering and receiving with two hands. So for example, especially when you're gonna give a gift, so important to offer it with both of your hands and to receive it with both of your hands. And what I was taught too is if, if you know, if you have to reach, then you would put your other hand here to support that hand. So it's still two hands. And when I slow down with that expression, it, it feels like a, a beautiful image of wholehearted offering, wholehearted receiving, like my, my entire body's involved in this offering, this receiving. So this first image, this kind of labor, a labor of love to offer wholeheartedly with both hands, a quality of wholeheartedness within it. And a second image, and it's an image actually that, that arose for me during our uh, mindful hike, which uh, we even discussed a little bit, which is the, the offering like a tree in a healthy ecosystem. Right now, if you slow down, when you, when you reflect on how a tree gives, it's like its very nature 
is wholehearted offering. It's a wholehearted offering and it's a wholehearted receiving. A tree, it offers shade and a safe place for birds to rest. It offers food for creatures like around here in Flagstaff, pinion trees offering pinions, pine nuts to like pinion jays. And it wholeheartedly at the same time is receiving nourishment from the sun and the rain and from the soil. And when even when the tree dies, it offers nourishment to the soil and a home for so many uh, creatures. This is the kind of labor I'm really curious about that I, I want to share with you about. This act of wholehearted offering and receiving, like I, I showed with the both hands, that custom of offering and receiving with both hands. And also the, the, the offering and receiving of a tree, like its very being is the activity of offering and receiving. It's not thinking, oh, I'm going to give this, I'm going to take this. It's its very nature. That's what it is to be a tree, is to simply always be wholeheartedly offering and receiving. So I'm pointing to what you call a deeper labor of love one that arises from a way of being, not just an act. And the other aspect of this image of the tree that I, I want to expand on is this interdependent nature that it has. And that one aspect of the spiritual path is to understand, to fully understand this interdependent nature of this world we live in. And I want to share with you, uh, actually it's a short passage from uh, a story from the, actually she's a poet and, a, and an author, Alison Luderman, called What We Came For. And it's this realization that one of the characters has. It begins, strawberries were too delicate to be picked by machine. The perfectly ripe ones bruised at even too heavy a human touch. It hit her then that every strawberry she had ever eaten, every piece of fruit had been picked by calloused human hands. Every piece of toast with jelly represented someone's knees, someone's aching back and hips, someone with a bandana on her wrist to wipe away the sweat. Why had no one told her about this before? All food is won by someone's labor, down to the little tubs of jam that came with breakfast at the truck stops, even the fillings of the strawberry Pop-Tarts she had eaten as a child. The realization all food is won by someone's labor. Labor, it's intimately intertwined with our moment to moment existence. And we find echoes of this in the, in the Zen tradition. 
there's one meal chant that begins first it's really to reflect on first 72 laborers brought us this food we should know how it comes to us It would be different, wouldn't it, if we began all of our meals in that way, this reflection of the interdependent nature. And just with this phrase, I want to point out something about labor and and a, a word that can often hide labor, and that's the word free. It's used so commonly. You can get this for free or that for free. Boy, isn't this cool? I don't have to pay anything. I can get it for free. And when I say that, do you hear how the notion of free can be misleading? I can forget about, as she said in that story, the calloused hands, the sweat, someone's knees, someone's aching back and hips. Free hides, that notion can hide the interdependent nature, the intertwined nature of our lives, how it's intertwined with labor. And this points to a complexity that I want to keep alive around this notion of labor. Here I am, I'm confronted with a a complexity in the context of labor, especially if you can hear some of the underpinnings of just that short passage from that story. And that is how it can be so easily intertwined with systems of harm. Hopefully, you know, we still live in a country where many farm farm workers continue to be exploited. The food we eat the food I buy is intertwined with these systems. Not a labor of love, but rather a labor and a system of labor of harm. And that's an aspect of me taking in this interdependent nature of this world is, oh, I'm intertwined with these systems of labor of harm because of the food I buy, or you could say, because of the taxes I pay on the money I might receive for labor, those taxes which go to a military that spends more money on uh, militarization than any other country. It's complicated, isn't it? It's complex. And yet, I want to point out a spiritual path, at least for me, is finding within the complexity this deeper sense of labor, a deeper labor of love, like with both hands, a wholehearted offering, a wholehearted receiving. And so I I want to point out, like I'm, I'm using these, you could say, maybe an archetypal vision of of this when I talk about a tree in a healthy ecosystem, especially as human beings, there are healthy aspects of the systems maybe we're in and very unhealthy ones as well. 
And it's in that context that I'm curious about opening up a space to touch this deeper sense of labor that I'm attempting to, to point to. And I, I find the Buddha attempting to offer us instructions around this. You know, the, the notion of labor is, is intertwined with this teaching on livelihood. Like in the Eightfold Path, there's this notion of wise livelihood. And I want to point out, when I use the word livelihood, it doesn't only include the employment we might have, but also the activities that you engage in. Right? to secure the necessities for your life and possibly the lives of others, of family, of friends, of partners. Those other qualities of livelihood, whether it be raising children or grandchildren, taking care of elderly parents, sweeping the floor, cooking a meal, sensitively listening to a friend in pain, this too is livelihood and has the potential for wise livelihood. And the question that, that arises around wise livelihood, around this path factor of the Eightfold Path, is this question is, does my livelihood, does your livelihood, does it contribute to the suffering in the world? Or maybe does the way I make money or make a living contribute to the suffering in the world? Or is it of benefit to the world and to myself? And you know how the Buddha is. He loves to give lists. <laughs> so there's all kinds of lists around, lists around wise livelihood. And the classic one is, is ways of livelihood that the, the Buddha wants to point out because they're seen as so directly connected to harm. So during his time, the kinds of livelihood that he cautioned against was, for example, the manufacturing or selling of weapons that directly is intertwined with a system of, of harm. Or what's called the business and human beings. So that would be slave labor, slave trade. Being a butcher, so the business in meat business in intoxicants, so like the selling of alcohol, and the business in poison, harming others. And again, I wanna point out, it can be complicated because of these intertwining systems, but I find it helpful to, to slow down and at least to reflect on this for myself. And in terms of occupation and work, I, I, I also want to acknowledge, you know, often what's talked about in Wise Livelihood is finding meaningful work. And it can be so great if we can find meaningful work. And I want to point out also, because I know I've experienced this also, it can be very difficult to find meaningful work and pay the bills. And I want to acknowledge that challenge. And it can even feel more difficult where there is such an emphasis 
on one's occupation and how that gets intertwined with identity and value, which is really quite unfortunate, I think. And so I want to acknowledge sometimes that's the job we have, a job that brings us the money to pay the bills. And I want to actually honor that. Things are difficult at times. And even in the midst of that, I can still find a deeper labor of love in some manner. I still remember, uh, I used to, it's a long time ago, uh, cleaned uh, uh, hotel rooms at the Holiday Inn. For me, it wasn't, it was tricky. It was not that meaningful. I needed the money. And yet in the midst of that, I could find a deeper way of offering and receiving. A lot of it was around my coworkers and care. So I'm sharing this with, with all of you to one, to point out the complexity and the potential for this, this sense of offering, as I was saying, like that image of offering with both hands that I was talking about, or the image of a tree in a healthy ecosystem, that its very being is all about offering and receiving. It's not like it's an, has an act of doing that. It's, it's exuding that. And in the complexities, finding that touching, that wholeheartedness in your life, Like, what is it for you to discover this deeper labor of love? What is it for you in this brief life of yours? What will you wholeheartedly offer? What is that? And maybe not so much as a solution or an answer, to these problems and complexities. That's great and important to think of that and to find solutions and an answers. And yet sometimes I can get, uh, my mind can get so tangled in trying to find the solution and the answer that I lose, lose this deeper sense of an offering that touches my heart. So what will you wholeheartedly offer in this brief life of yours? I think the other thing that can sometimes be a hindrance, I know I've seen it for myself, is these narratives that are can be so common in especially the, the dominant culture that we live in, the narr narratives of an individual hero, the one who saves the world, the one who changes the world. And yeah, there's a place for such narratives for inspiration. But, but what I find is they can also make invisible the beautiful offerings that probably many of you are involved in day to day. What are those? How do you land those to really value them? Whether it's offering a meal, offering folded clone, clean clothing, changing a diaper, rescuing, rescuing a a bug from a bowl of water. The labor of putting out water for birds or planting native flowering plants for pollinators. 
the labor of offering refuge for the spiders in your household rather than killing them. Simply cleaning the kitchen countertop. I know I'm supposed to be giving you a Dharma talk with dramatic examples of offering. <laughs> I find it so important to resist that. Because I know from my mind, I can miss that these two are such big opportunities, especially for my brief life. So yeah, offer your labor to take care of yourself and family and friends. But can you touch something deeper and more vast as well at the same time? Like to, to blur the boundaries of me and you, the boundaries of giving and receiving, like, like the tree those boundaries being blurred. So what is it that feels alive for offering for you? What is the labor of love in this deeper sense for you? I'd like to end with a poem by W.S. Merwin, which I feel embodies some of this quality of a, a labor of love that's not just about an answer or a solution. He says, on the last day of the world, I would want to plant a tree. So again, on the last day of the world, I would want to plant a tree. What for? Not for the fruit. The tree that bears the fruit is not the one that was planted. I want the tree that stands in the earth for the first time, with the sun already going down, and the water touching its roots in the earth full of the dead and the clouds passing one by one over its leaves. Right, to, to offer not as a solution or an answer, but for something like this, for love. the expression of a free heart. It might not solve and answer those problems and complexities of our world, but it might express and embody something that's just as important. What is that for you? What is that offering? How do you touch that? How do you make that alive? Maybe this is what this spiritual path is, is really about.
So thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.